COVID hits and at month 11, my doors were closed and all my boot camps disappeared overnight. All of my partnerships online disappeared overnight. So I went from cash flow gym open to zero cash flow gym closed. And it's like, not only do I have to come up with a form of income, but I also have to support a gym that's cost me tens of thousands of dollars every month. Like, how am I gonna do that? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Screw It, Let's Do This podcast. I'm your host, Therese. And I'm your host, Shelby. And today we have a very special guest. He owns a series of gyms around the Madison area. And if you're not from the area, you might better know him as a contestant on The Bachelor. One of the best. So Peter, please introduce yourself. Hello, Uh, my name is Peter Krause. I own uh, currently five gyms in the Madison area. I am born and raised in Madison, and uh, we're sitting in my Middleton gym as we speak. Wow. Yep. Five, Five gyms. gyms. Holy cow. Yeah. When did that happen? Five's like, a lot. Yeah. When oh, yeah. did you get to five? When did you? Uh, I, so, well, the fifth one is Verona. That'll open up in about three months. Wow. And then uh, there's four currently obviously open. It started with one, which is this one here in 2019. And wow. then, I remember. Uh, that expansion expanded, from yeah. 2019 and the, the 2024. In yeah. Yeah. That was rough. One Holy a year. God. One a year. Yeah. Uh-huh. What in the heck? Basically it went from one to, I decided I could either buy a house uh, or open a second gym. And for the business, it would make more sense to open a second gym. And there's a lot more to that than just that, but that's a very short form of it. And when opening that second gym, all the processes within the first and the second had to change because I was no longer full-time in one space. And that transition and that like adaptation to the new form of the business caused me to create a new business model that I did never plan or I never planned on making. And I was able to expand with that business model then very quickly. So I basically created a a pop-up gym concept that now there's five pretty much active, including the one that's being built now, and at least three or four in the works. What? uh, Three or four on top of that in the works? (laughs) Oof. All right. So before we get too far deep into your five and three other pending locations, Mm -hmm. can you talk to us about where your entrepreneurship journey started? Yeah. Entrepreneurship to me is for myself, not something that I'm just like, I'm not an entrepreneur. You don't feel like that? No, I think of myself just like a a questioner, uh, an explorer. And life for me at a very young age started in art and I was always exploring life through art and realized that my path was different than all my friends right away. Like they were all in the studies, they're getting good grades. I was failing most things, but always excelling in art and like literature pretty much. So through that, I really just couldn't get into a groove in school at any point. All my friends went to college, they're all getting their degrees in the direction that they're planning their life already. And I'm still floating around in the universe trying to figure out who I am. Uh, doing art the whole time. Wait, what type of art? Yeah. Anything, what? literally anything. Like I painted that, painted that, designed this space, pick all the colors, layout, textures, finishes, everything. Like everything is art-based in my life. What and about pottery? Did you ever get into that? Love pottery. Really? Yeah, I made a lot of pottery for a period of time. Like music, that kind of thing? All of that? I uh, did a little bit of music. Music was a lot more challenging because it's very mathematical. Yeah. Uh, in that there's like an algorithm to it. There's a lot of notes, there's keys, there's... Like you have to follow a pattern versus I'm very free form. So like I could, I have a drawing of Daisy recently that started just as a white piece of paper. And I just started drawing and adding things as it came to me. Kind of Daisy, your dog. Yeah. Daisy, my okay, dog. Okay. Sorry. So to me, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. <laughs> I know. It got lost in my mouth too. <laughs> uh, it came from knowing that sitting at a desk or working for someone else was never something I was able to do because it resembled 
school in so many ways. And I knew I wasn't good at that. So it started with planning to go to school for art to getting sidetracked by modeling. And then modeling led me into fitness and then fitness led me into wanting to have my own gym. Okay. Oh yeah. We How do you get sidetracked into modeling? I just have to know this. I mean, yeah. Okay. So you're in school, you're in like, you go through, you go through high school, right? You yeah. make it to the end and then you didn't go to college. I did go to school. Okay. So right out of high school, I knew I wanted to school or go to school for art. Uh, I could not get into the two major art schools in the area, which is, I think it's Milwaukee Art Institute and Art Institute of Chicago or vice versa, how you say it. But the two art schools of those two cities applied for both. I, I think I remember getting a scholarship for one, but it still wasn't enough or it was still like 40 to 60 grand a year in tuition. Wow. And it's, it's art. Like you have yeah. to be very, very successful or you have to very specifically focus on like interior design or architectural design. And I knew I couldn't afford it. So I went to MATC, just kind of figure things out, got us the degree in like liberal studies or whatever it was. And while there, I got bet to go to a modeling agency here in town after a buddy and I, all you can eat Chinese buffet downtown. And as we're walking past the rock agency, my buddy's like, I dare you to go in there. I'm like, <laughs> all right. So went in, introduced myself. They said, come back next week for pictures. Wait, the model, you just walked right in. Yeah. After and a Chinese buffet. Yeah. Oh, you would have had to roll me like in there. <laughs> not good. Um, so yeah, they, they asked me to come back. The next photo shoot went fairly well. And it was right in that photo shoot that like my life adjusted. I went from just kind of floating to this is what I'm going to focus on. And with that was coupled uh, acting. So I got into modeling and acting. In Wisconsin? In Madison. Where is that even a... Like so the Rock Agency was right off of Park Street. Or oh. not Park Street, State Street. And uh, they eventually moved out to Monona. But at the time, they were doing a lot of placements. So they would prepare you for going to like Milan or to Germany or something like that for a lot of the models. For acting, they'd set you up for Los Angeles. And so they helped me to get ready for Los Angeles I went to Los Angeles on this worldwide competition, won the whole thing. What? For had, what? Uh, it's Acting? Called, yeah, it's called IMTA. And it's the International Modeling and Talent Association, I think it is. How do you compete in something like that? Uh, so you do like short reads. Um, you have a dialogue. What's the, what's the thing called when you do like a long reading? Like a, uh, a monologue. monologue. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mr. Producer. So, <laughs> I did a monologue and then also did runway. Uh, you do swimsuit for the modeling aspect of it. And then there's also musicians up there that do their thing. And out of 2,500 people, uh, I wow. took first place. That's so cool. Yeah. What happens after you win something like that? Uh, so an example, like Ashton Kutcher was found at that. That's what? Where he so was he, did he hand you a big check? No, no. Like this is like, uh, basically from that point forward, all of the agents are there watching. And I then had all these one-on-one -on -one meetings with all these agents from Los Angeles, had all these opportunities to move there and basically get started in the industry. And at the time I was dating a girl here in Madison and it was a huge move. I was very young, I was 20 years old and I was in love with someone here in town. So I couldn't make the jump. Like all, all the things were there ready to go. I had literally like what are they called the daytime TV shows, soap operas like waiting for me to be on them. Wow. And yeah, wow. I backed out last second and ended up moving to Chicago instead to start modeling and pretty much got out of acting right away. And so before that career even started, I just got into acting. Um, she and I broke up. So at the time, my way of dealing with major trauma like that was I'm just gonna flight. Like there's fight or flight, I'm flying. I'm getting out of here. The LA. So I got an opportunity to go to Germany. Oh. So, yeah, so I moved to Germany uh, with modeling. And then from there, I moved to Los Angeles, or not Los Angeles, uh, Greece. Oh my God. And then from Greece is when I really started to notice I developed some uh, health issues, like eating issues. 
And that's when I started to focus on nutrition. And so that was like the next stage of it. Now I need to couple quality nutrition with my modeling. And then that led me into fitness. I never wow. knew you lived abroad. How long did you live over there? Like three months in each location. Yeah. Wow. wow. What was your yeah. favorite? Uh, well, just being overseas and actually like planting yourself in that space was amazing because everything's so different. Like the cultures are different. The people are different. The customs are different. Um, the ease of life is different. Like I, I couldn't read my groceries. I had to just guess at what some of it was. Getting around transportation was very challenging because like in Germany, everything's in German and my stop was called Kellehusenstrasse. And yet <laughs> the, like the actual S's in it were giant R's, but it's pronounced as S's. So just little things like that were like, once you figure it out, you start to feel like, okay, I'm getting a hang of this. And it got easier as time went on. But it was, it was fantastic. Like it was such a cool experience just to remove myself from American culture, uh, from all my friends, from all my support system, my family. At the time, there's no smartphones. So I could only email my family like once a week when I could pay for internet. My shower was a coin shower. So I had to pay $1.50, which is like two euros basically for every shower. I was broke as a joke. So I was taking <laughs> ice cold showers at the time because hey, I couldn't pay for heat. The start yeah. of the cold plunge. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and so stuff like that. Like, it's just a really cool experience. I, I went into my gym for the first time and it was co-ed saunas and stuff where I was just butt naked. No. So like, that was an experience. Oh, yeah. What? It's pretty wild, but cool. Like you just realize the things that we do here are not the same everywhere else. So it really removed me from what I was told was normal and really seeing there's so much more out there in the world. And that was just the start of it. That was like the seed of realizing the world is so much bigger than what's in my day to day. And so I think that experience and then coming back to, I'll never forget, I went to the college club to visit all my friends when I first got back the to bar. Madison. The bar. Okay. Good time. And they're all doing the Superman dance. Hey. Like, so, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, what is this? Oh my gosh. Oh my, that was wow. the Everybody oh did it. And I just realized like, I Do we need to I teach you right path. now? Oh, I remember it. Trust oh, me. You know, do you want to do it? I did, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did learn it partially at the time, but coming back to that was so cool to see what everybody had been doing and that- Like a I reverse had, culture shock. Yeah, I had diverged. And that was like, that was a really cool experience. And now one that I take wholeheartedly with me all the time. And I think is kind of like another part in the entrepreneurship. It showed me that being different and unique and going a different path was not just interesting, but it was a lot of fun. And it was okay to be different. So that's all part of it too. That's really cool. I like yeah. that it was like pre like Instagram, pre smartphone. Like oh, you yeah. could fully like remove yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, just that immensely interesting. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to pay for a SIM card to put in my little flip phone. And uh, it was like a prepaid so it would die at certain times. <laughs> so like the middle of the conversation of someone, it would just be dead. Oh my gosh. Like, that's the end of that. Like, all right. So you get back to the United States. Yeah. Your friends are teaching you the soldier boy. Yeah. And then what <laughs> happens next? Kind of got sucked back into that life again. And it was going out every weekend. It felt like I was becoming lost again. Like totally honest. Like it was the same stuff over and over. Predictable weekends, same places, same people, getting intoxicated. Things that I was just no longer interested in. And yet were becoming a part of life. And... I knew I wanted to make a change when it came to nutrition because I, I basically developed an eating disorder at this point and knew I was getting very unhealthy, started to develop some actual health issues. And so I re-enrolled in school and went back to school for dietetics and got a degree in dietetics, learned about clinical nutrition. And while in school for dietetics, I was offered a job as a personal trainer uh, as like an interim for someone else who was just leaving for a couple of weeks. While doing it, 
I fell in love with it. His clients fell in love with me. And when he came back, they're like, can we stay with Peter basically? <laughs> um, so I stayed in that. He became like the manager of the business and I became his lead trainer. And then that system got bought out by a company called FMG. They were in Anytime Fitness. And so that is when really like my business as a fitness professional took off. So I started managing that club and then I started managing a second club and became the number one sales associate for Anytime Fitness in the country and basically said like, this is what I want to do. But coincidentally, my modeling took off at that exact same time. Oh, again. the crossroads. Right. Oof. So the, the owners of the company basically came to me and said, you have to decide. You have to either go full into modeling or you have to go full into this position because right now you're, you're starting to back off a little bit and you're hurting the business. What went into the decision-making process? Because you chose modeling yeah. then. Uh, so my, my business decisions are always based on long-term goals. What has the greatest long-term um, success potential? And what are my, like, my personal goals also? Like, do I want to work for someone else in their business and help them be super successful and make my way up the chain? Or do I want to continue down the path of myself and see how far I can push myself? I knew modeling had more of that. So I could go back into modeling and acting full time. And really the sky was the limit. So I went back into that route, immediately started to see success in Chicago. I moved to Chicago and got to a point where I was like, I think I've tapped out the industry here. I've got all the clients that I can get based on my demographic, whatever you want to call it. Within how much time did you feel? Within like? the first year. Whoa. Yeah. Holy um, crap. It was good. It was great. Yeah. It was like, great. I started working for Kohl's and Sears and uh, Bonton, which is at the time Boston store, Jockey once in a while, like all these really great uh, larger companies that shot every single week. So you're making thousands of dollars over shoot multiple times a week. It was so like this going was your full time job. This became my full time job. Wow, that's and I was cool. always training on the side. So I worked at like a cute little mom and pop gym in Chicago, and still loved it. Still did it for fun. Did it for a supplemental income. And it got to a point where now I'm dating someone. I got this great career going on. I think I've maxed out my potential already in the first year. There's got to be more. I'm going to move to Los Angeles where there's a bigger pool. And I'm going to keep my Chicago clientele. So she and I had the conversation. We agreed, let's move to Los Angeles. We moved to LA and I immediately lost all of my Chicago clientele. Uh, I very quickly realized how the business does not care about the individual. It's what is best for the business, mm -hmm. which all those ag like agencies and I don't know, businesses basically saw this can be expensive to fly him or fly him into Chicago every time. So let's just get rid of him and hire locals again. Yeah. So I started all over in LA basically did it again. Like I, I built the business back up again in Los Angeles. And what type of clients were you working with? There was very different. It was like, here was department stores. Oh, uh, there was higher fashion, but still like trendy fashion, not Gucci and Prada and um, that type of stuff. It was more, oh God, what was it called? Um, True Religion Jeans was one of them. Seven That's a sleigh. Do you know what that is? Um, is that like a buckle? It's a sleigh. <laughs> It's a sleigh. It's a sleigh. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a sleigh. It was like very fashion forward, but young and trendy mm -hmm. jean companies. For Can the we most find part. these pictures on Google? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, We're digging them up. I did one for a company that was like the original Stitch Fix kind of thing it's called, where it's like that's you cool. oh, select yeah. your boxes almost of clothing. Wow, that's crazy cool. Um, did like a commercial for them. And commercials paid anywhere from ten dollars to $20,000. Oh. So you do one of those, industry. right? But here's the thing: you do one of those every two months, and if you don't book anything else, you're hurting, right? Because yeah. LA is twice the expense that it is here. Yeah. How do you like grow a business as a model? Do you just kind of like show up, or do you have an agent that helps you book things? Both. Okay. So the the agent has all the connections, 
and then they send you to the castings. Those castings are your chance to shine. And I'm not like a very outgoing person, but I'm great at conversation. So as long as I could have the conversation with the producers, it was always good. If I had to do a show to get attention from them, I was terrible. When it came back to acting, I was a horrendous actor at this point. Like, <laughs> could not remember lines to save my life. Failed every acting audition I ever did. Like felt like I was laughed out of the room almost a couple of times. But yeah, modeling was easy. I would yeah. be so bad at yeah. acting. Like oh. I can't even imagine. Oh, it was, yeah. And, yeah, it was <laughs> challenging because you're also with like, these people were at Paramount and was it Disney and Fox. Oh my gosh. Like, Wait, this is off the cuff. Did you ever yeah. um, like audition with someone that was, became huge? Oh yeah. Um, Corbin Blue. So actually I Corbin worked Blue. in order to make like money on the side, I worked for a staffing agency for events. So we basically were a catering company for models only. You had to be a model to work there. Wow. And we do all these really cool up events up in like the hills. And you're like serving food. Yeah. Like there was an event, I'll never forget this. I did an event at the LACMA, I want to say. And it was with the Dalai Lama and Jim Carrey stands up in the middle of it and just starts shooting the crap with the Dalai Lama. The and I'm like, where am I right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, really cool stuff. Wow. Um, met a lot of celebrities that were just very kind, down to earth people and some really weird ones. <laughs> but there's this guy, Melton, and Melton was like the nicest guy. He was there with the catering company with me. And then he hit it big years later on Riverdale. It was a really unique experience because, again, it was on the grind trying to make a business work. The business at the time was modeling because you are your own business owner, pretty much. You are your whole business. And uh, I was learning how to talk to people. I was learning how to be comfortable on camera. I was learning how to slow down and be comfortable in uncomfortable positions, like in front of producers who are just staring at me the whole time. I learned how to grind. I learned how to work multiple jobs and have multiple revenue streams all at the same time to help each other out. And so the entrepreneurial spirit really came from just wanting to do something fun and different and unique and artistic. That's so cool. Yeah, that's, really, yeah, that's yeah. relatable for sure. Yeah. So how long were you modeling in LA and then what happened next? What was uh, so next? I was in LA for only a year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend and I broke up and I had done two Ironmans here in Madison up to that point. And I was signed up to do a third in September, 2014 and uh, had the opportunity to either like take all of my equipment back, which is thousands of dollars pretty much to race and then go all the way back again with it. Or like we're breaking, or we're breaking up. I, I can't afford to get an apartment on my own. I'm just going to move back. So I moved back thinking I'd be here for a short period of time and then go elsewhere. Cause I wasn't happy in a way. It was not my culture. And like, I never felt comfortable out there. Business was getting better and better, but I was getting more and more unhappy and I missed grass. Like the first thing I did, I moved back here and just laid down in my buddy's grass during a Packer <laughs> game for like an hour. What about uh, the snow? I did not miss snow, but I, I did would. feel very weird on Christmas on the beach. Yeah. We went for a walk on Christmas on the beach and that was very abnormal. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't like that. that. I yeah. want, no, I want that. Oh, <laughs> What, oh. Christmas on the beach? Yeah, I want I think a, it's, it's great in small doses. Yeah. I think long-term it would have gotten to be like Groundhog Day. Yeah. I need the seasons. If you're there yeah. for like a vacation. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I want to wake up the in Midwest Hawaii and me. Christmas day. Yeah. yeah. That's the dream. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. So I ended up moving back, did my Ironman and then immediately started my new business, which I had started dabbling a little bit in LA with on the side, training people in home. So LA, I had tons of jobs in LA. I worked for this catering company twice a week. I modeled as much as I possibly could. I did little acting gigs here and there, but it was like one liners. And then I worked for Equinox Fitness, which was like a big, beautiful gym out there right on Sunset Boulevard. 
And then I started my in-home training business while I was there. I don't actually remember how I got the clients. I think I put an ad in the newspaper or something like that. That's cool. But I started getting pretty high up corporate folk that I would go to their apartment complex, condo complex, or home and train them in their gyms there. Wow. And charge them, you know, I thought I was making bank. I was like $75 an hour or something like that for that at the time. And that business model I took back here. So when I got back, I started doing in-home personal training. And I knew I had to get the word out, but I didn't have a lot of money. So I started working out at as many gyms as I could with my shirts on. Uh, I branded my truck. I got the biggest truck I could afford and put as big a branding on it as I could get. A and big I made sure it was, uh, no, I like actually got it decaled. Got, oh I paid my it a decal. That's what I want to do. It was great. It got a ton of attention. But when it started sitting in the same places consistently, people gained trust. Like I see this guy all the time at this space. So I'd train at basically two gyms consistently here in town, um, like apartment gyms. And I just started accumulating clients at those places to where I had to hire someone else to help. Oh, wow. So then I got another trainer. I got another truck. Wait, what age are you at at this point? This is all 28 now. Okay. So I'm 28. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Um, in 2014. And so that became my business model. I'm going to have an in-home personal training business. And we went from, I went from $0 when I started in 2014 to basically a year later, I was at like $110,000 in revenue. Oh my gosh. I just, I love the idea that you went to people's places. Like I think a lot of people think to start a business, you have to have a brick and mortar no. and the cost is. In fact, I think it's the worst thing to yeah, do. Oh, I can't is, even yeah. imagine. I mean, and we both started out of, well, you started out of your house. I started in a commercial kitchen and then when I outgrew it, then I had my own space. But I'm like, how do people afford brick and mortars out, you know, right yeah. out, out the gate? gate. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love that you were just going to people's homes and then their apartment gyms. And then, so now you have at this point, another person that works for you. Yep. You're really by the end of it. I got to, yeah, three personal trainers on staff. Wow. So. Amazing. Okay. So then what happened next? Did you say, I want to open up a, uh, you know, PK fit? Or? Mm, well, I knew at some point I wanted to have my own gym. What the was original the name? gym concept. PK fit. All right. Yeah. What was the name? No. See, the original, <laughs> the personal training business was called the Worth Personal Training. Earn your worth. Like you are worth it. I knew I wanted to open up a gym slash grocery store combo. So you would have a Ooh. dietitian, goes back to the nutrition side, taking you through the grocery store, showing you what to get, why to get it and how to make it. It was in 2016-ish that my clients, two people who did not know each other, never crossed paths because they're in different parts of the city, both started saying, you should go on The Bachelorette. Oh and my like, gosh. you would be so great at it. We think you'd you know, be successful, have fun, whatever. You're single. I had just gone through another relationship. There was a bad breakup. And I would, I'm very open with all my clients. So we'd talk about all this stuff. And they'd be like, you know what? You're single. This would be good for you. You should go do that. So what did you think when they said that? Were you like, I was like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah why did would you I ever watch go on that? it? Like, no. were you familiar? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, backtrack all the way back to high school. I didn't know this till after I was on the bachelorette and someone put it out there. I had written in my yearbook. My goal was to be on the bachelor. Like I wanted to be the bachelor. <laughs> and then my quote was remember your destiny. And now that looking back weird. on it, it's like weird. I like, got the creepy. chills. Yeah. yeah. Cause weird. obviously I'd forgotten my destiny. It had become my destiny or I just spoke it into existence. Uh huh. <laughs> and yeah, now they're like telling me you should go on the show and never watched it other than the, at that time, which was really like, I just want to be the guy that the girls liked at the age of 16, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So fast forward, uh, they recommend it. I say, screw it. I'll apply. Screw and, it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I did. And I just applied for it and they immediately hit me back and like, Hey, we'd like to get more information, send more pictures, more of a breakdown of who you are. And that led to a phone call. I want to say, which I'll never forget, I was like pulling up to my apartment and got this random number. I didn't know who it was, picked it up, sitting outside and it's the producers saying, you know, hi, we're from Bachelorette. We'd like to talk to you. 
So I had a good conversation that led to a video interview and then in person and all that. So I just kept progressing. And then I went on the show. So what was the timeline from the time you applied and then actually like had to kind of, in a sense, abandon your business yeah. for a time? Like what was that turnaround? I want to say it was eight months in total from the first like wow. email to the time I started. Wow. But as far as the business went, I had to pass all of my clients off to someone else. My expectation was very low. It's like, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Someone will take over in a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. Yeah. Oh, Peter. That, it did not go <laughs> So the business planned. kept running then like it while did. you With were you, gone. Yeah. yeah. And that was another perfect example of a growth in the business that I had to learn. I had to learn checks and balances when I'm not physically there. And how do I implement systems that can be reproduced very easily, be followed very easily, um, and cannot be manipulated very easily? Preach into and, the choir. Yeah, no, seriously. We work on that. It's so it's, hard. It's not yeah, hard. And the so only way to do it is through failure because I failed at that miserably. Yeah. Right? I, I very quickly had people taking money from me. Really? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. oh, Just like gosh. people that would train and not record it. There was no digital system. There was no digital check-in. The, the clients didn't know, so it's not on them. It's on the trainer. And if the trainer's not doing it, I have no tracking system because it's all on paper at the time. So that was a very good educational experience where I lost thousands and thousands of dollars. But sometimes you have to learn it the hard way. And as long as you don't let that break you down and say, well, give up, this is terrible. And you take that and you progress. Then I think it's a great learning experience. So I learned that after the, the fact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you go, you go to be on the show. How long yeah. were you taping to be on the show? Uh, the taping is 10 and a half weeks. 10 so and a half weeks? Yeah, I ended up being gone the whole time. <laughs> uh, made it to the final two people. I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Any questions you have, feel free. Okay, okay, okay. I have a question. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. hear it. Were you on the same season with Iggy? Yeah. I just literally last night, I promise you I was not doing research on this. Yeah. It came up on my like page and he was like kind of bashing it. Yeah, I saw that. And I just saw an interview with him. And so I was watching it and I'm like, really? Like, this is interesting. Like, yeah. so he said, you guys are just drunk all the time. Like they just feed you alcohol. You're is not that being true? injected with alcohol. You cannot force feed you anything. To me, everybody's experience is individual. And so he and I were in the same space, same time, or same time with very different experiences. Yeah. He looks as they were like pushing alcohol. I saw yeah. this. Yeah. They want you to be drunk. Cause you know, you're going to do dumb stuff. Yeah. When you're drunk, yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm looking at it as like, I don't want to do dumb stuff. So I'm not going to get that drunk. Yeah. Right. And if I am drinking, I'm going to stay very controlled and make sure I, I don't look like a jerk on camera pretty much. Was it weird? Like, I know they don't give you phones, TV, nothing. Was it weird? Like being in a bubble and oh, not knowing so. anything. Yeah. yeah. But I loved it. Yeah. Like, I loved that aspect of it. It was like going back into Europe again. You had to make connections with people. Never in my life have I been on a, a team or in a, a business where it's a bunch of adult men with nothing to do but talk. Like when you're on a sports team, you have to communicate. You have to learn to solve your differences or else the whole team is going to fail. In this case, it's like you're stuck in a house with 30 guys. If you're starting arguments, it's going to fail, which it did. Some guys couldn't handle it and they would blow up at each other and stuff. I'd be like, I understand what you're, you're saying. I'm going to try my best to understand it deeper and not create anything bigger out of it. So it, it forced communication, forced connection. Um, it forced you off your phones, your computers, your TV, all that kind of stuff. And I think it really like, was a very human experience in a very unnatural situation. What did you do when you got out of the limo? Uh, so, all right. So prior to the limo, you're in a hotel waiting. Uh -huh. uh, we don't know any of the guys yet. You haven't met anybody. You meet a couple of guys for the first time as you're getting into your limo at the hotel you're staying at. You're sizing them up. Uh, honestly, I was, yeah, I was nervous <laughs> as all hell. I was like, all these guys are attractive. They're all fit. As I started talking, like they're all intelligent. They all have great jobs. They all make good money. 
like all the times of the moment I didn't feel like I, I was for whatever reason, I just gone through a breakup. So like my confidence is low. Uh, I'm starting a business that like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm building it. It's still, still not great. So like, yeah. there's that. So we get in the limos and, uh, they tell me I'm gonna be the first one out. Oh yeah. no. And I was like, my heart sank. Did like, you plan like, something ahead of time or are you just no, in the moment? No, no. Like, like so they you didn't come have to anything like, oh, you weren't riding in on like a truck? No. They like come in to ask. Do those crazy yeah. I was just going to be like, can I just say I'm from Wisconsin? It's nice to meet you. Like, yeah, Hi, I'm nice. from Wisconsin. Do that. Yeah. Without that <laughs> my accent. My name's Peter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from Texas? What was that? So uh, what did you do then? So I took like four really quick shots of Fireball. Love that for you. And I uh, got out and I literally, like not because of the alcohol, but I blacked out the moment I got out of. Oh, yeah, I would too. And then I just like came to in the mansion. And I was like, did I say my name? I don't think I said my name. No, this is- I think is I just walked in. So it wasn't until months later that I watched it back, that first episode. I was like, okay, I said my name. That's good. <laughs> so what did yeah. you do? Hi, I'm Peter. I said, hi, my name is Peter. I'm from Wisconsin. I know you haven't had like the best of luck with Wisconsin guys, but I'd like to be a good Wisconsin guy for you. Because oh. she had just gotten dumped by Nick, who is from Wisconsin. Wait, Nick Vile. Wait, wait. Yeah. Vile Files. Wait, hold on, hold the phone. You were yes. on this after he was on this? Yeah, yeah. that was the season after. Because she came from his season. Wait, oh. I, watched, I watched that season. Wait, was this girl the lawyer? Rachel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rachel. <laughs> Wait a second. Then I totally saw at least a few episodes. Okay. I never did watched you a immediately? Season. Were you like, yes, I like this girl? Like immediately? Or did it like take a um, few moments? I think the moments themselves were so like dramatic to start, like so overwhelming that I, like, I couldn't even think about her. She's beautiful. When I first saw her, I was like, she looks stunning. But then I was just like, please God protect me in this. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I don't know what to expect night one, there's arguments, there's guys yelling, there's guys getting blackout drunk, acting like fools. I'm just like, this is, I'm in the <laughs> wrong place back. right now. Like, I, yeah, I literally created the perfect little life for myself back home, very peaceful with all my clients, just getting up 4.30 a.m., going to work. For the first like month of being on that show, I'd be up for like two hours by myself, just hanging out. I'd like conditioned myself to this early morning wake up. You're like, hey guys, wanna go on a run? Yeah, basically, <laughs> I was like, this is, it's kind of peaceful, I guess, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was just a very different experience to start. And then when she and I had our first hometown or not hometown date, one-on-one -on -one date is when I realized like, okay, this person's actually super dope. We have a lot in common. We talked for 12 hours straight Wow. and uh, just had a Oof. good time. Yeah. Okay. Wait, now I have, I do have one question. So mm. when I've seen the show, there's like, I feel like there's always one crazy person that everyone knows is crazy. That's but Lee. The, yeah, but yeah, like the Lee. person yeah. like doesn't realize it. And it's like, are, is the, are the producers making that person stay on or is this person really just like naive to what's going on? Never talk to producers about what their intentions were, but it can be well assumed that there are people who are kept for show and drama. Okay. Like, so do they the show tell is about Rachel, making money like, at the end of the day? You need to keep Lee? Probably. I can't say for sure. Like what, what sells? Like, hey, I know I love you day one or hey, I'm going to push through a lot of crap for 10 weeks and then get to a big, exciting culmination at the end. So they they... I'm sure have to keep certain people for people for TV. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could ask a million other questions, but I have to ask one. One more. Oh my God. We need to talk more offline. <laughs> um, okay. How did you go up when Rachel would say, Peter, when she, you know, when they're in the, in the will rose Will you accept room. this rose? Yeah. Like Peter, will you accept this rose? What did you say? Did you go? A blackout every time again. Everyone has like a thing where you like, Absolutely, Rachel. Oh yeah, the, uh, Come here. Uh, uh, the first time was, so the first night went until like 8 a.m. 
So oh we didn't gosh. even have the rose ceremony until like 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets light out. Like Absolutely not. We're all freezing. <laughs> like it's 50 degrees maximum outside, maybe 40. What? Yeah. And so I, I don't remember what I said to her, but I was like shaking like a leaf by that time. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. We'll watch it back. We'll was let it, you know what you okay, said. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I have one more question. Was it weird to like make out on TV? Like your parents mm, would watch. That was... The cameras were very close, but it's yeah. like this. In time, you just kind of forget they're there, <laughs> right? They're they're in your peripheral. They're not yeah. like in your stray view. So you kind of forget about it. And all the producers were all black. So they blend they're in the background. The oh. Yeah. It's pretty much just the two of you hanging out. And then when things go into a lull, I guess, they'd be like, okay, let's switch it up. Or a producer coming like, okay, Rachel, we got to go to the next thing and pull her off to the next mini date or whatever it was. That was so fun. Oh yeah, my God, that I was, have so that many was... questions for you. Well, so like then we get back from that, right? And that's when life again took a change. So the show is a part of who I am, but it's not the biggest part of who I am. I do believe it played a huge role in the evolution of my business. So when I got back, I'd been doing all these in-home personal training like sessions. I felt very uncomfortable in public settings at this point. I had, I had developed like a very walled up sense of other people at that point. I didn't know their intentions. I felt very uncomfortable in group settings, all that. So I started pulling myself out of the one-on-one -on -one and letting my trainers just take that over. There's also just like people were reaching out to me all the time for one-on-one -on -one training, but just to like meet me. So it got creepy. I remember yeah. this, like I'm from here and I am a bachelor fan. Yeah. I wasn't creepy. I swear. Thank but you. I remember like, I remember when you had a hometown here Yeah. and like, I remember people were like, oh my God, like they were recording around the Capitol. Like I remember it being like such a thing. And then you came back and everyone's like, Peter was seen at blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like it was yeah. like you My were- My life became known yeah, in like a very tiny town. Everyone wanted town, to see yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Wait, is it live? Like you were still recording, but people knew you were on it or do they do the whole season and then- They filmed the whole season, except for the season finale, which is filmed live in Los Angeles. So now I'm back. It's going to air for the next 11 weeks or whatever it is. And then I go back to LA to film the final. So she got engaged. I went home and life changed. So I was okay with doing group settings. So I started doing boot camps more consistently. And then that's when the business model shifted again. I realized I could make a lot of money basically off these boot camps and get to a lot of people at once. And so I held my first ever boot camp the week after the show finalized, whatever we call it, the finale here in Madison, um, Bree Stevens Field. And I teamed up with Boys and Girls Club so we could raise for charity as well. And we had 450 people show up. Wow. And we made like $30,000 for Boys and Girls Club in one day. Oh my gosh. Like, okay, this is my business now. Yeah. So I found another niche, which was all these women are watching The Bachelorette. If you're a bachelorette, you are getting married. Well, I guarantee all these women who are in love with love and likely single or looking for marriage would go to a wedding venue to do their boot camps. Ooh. So I started calling wedding venues all over the country to see who would give me a free space in exchange for all of these women coming to their space for a boot camp. And it, again, caught on like wildfire. It's like all these venues just started like saying, sure. So I paid for my ticket, maybe a sound system. And then I'd do a, an Eventbrite and I would get anywhere from 200 to 500 girls in over a one, two day period in each city at 40 to 50 bucks per head. So I was making a killing pretty quick, which is awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, oh, so you run the numbers. That. Yeah, wait, that's crazy yeah. that you, I mean, to take it national, like- yeah. So I took that and I knew like this was gonna be very short. You know, hindsight 2020, I'm, I'm thankful to God that I had this mindset 
because business would have been destroyed otherwise. I had the mindset of the fame will end. It will dry up. The next season will start. I'll become less relevant. The next season will start. I'll become less relevant. And we'll just keep going till I'm nobody in their eyes. The boot camps will die. The Instagram attention will die. The algorithm will change. The money from the sponsors will die. All that kind of stuff. So I just started putting all that away. I splurged a little bit. Like I, I bought a nice car that I wanted. I had a, a bike that I always wanted to get. So I got those things. But for the most part, I put it all away. And that's when the gym really started to come into focus. I knew I wanted to open my gym. This company approached me uh, because I worked with one of their employees at another gym in town and asked if I would open up a small space. It was just that little space over there. And when I walked in here and I knew what my budget was, I knew how much I was making at the time, I decided I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go a full gym, dream gym right out the gate. So these people in this space came to you? Yeah. Okay. T-Wall is the management company of these spaces. But what I did is I still made a very calculated decision. I made a 48-month business plan, every dollar out versus every dollar in that I would expect for those 48 months down to how much it costs for every utility. Um, Utilities, uh, heat, electrical. Like heat, electrical, water. water, maintenance, repair of equipment over time, cost of the equipment, cost of advertising, uh, like it, literally everything I could think of that would be a cost, I put it down, versus what I thought I could draw in for uh, income during that time. Get to open the gym, gym opens, first month. I expected to get like eight people in that first month, I got 33. Wow. I was stoked. I'm like, this is it, we're golden. It's a monthly membership? A monthly membership, uh, plus classes at the time and personal training. And I opened up in like, I think it was April or May. We were supposed to have opened up January 1st, that was gonna get the big New Year's rush. Opened up three months late, and then summer hit like a month or two later. And in the gym industry in Wisconsin, the gyms die. The traffic dies. During in the, the summer? summer? In the summer. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's back outside. Yeah. Like no one wants to be inside when you only got three months of nice weather. So I went from a big high to also like a big low and then realizing like, okay, I think this is just how it goes to New Year's is coming. I'm getting ready. But that's when COVID starts to become a thing. And then we get a little bit of a New Year's rush, but nothing special because I have no money for advertising. I had like not budgeted enough for a big advertising push to COVID hits. And at month 11, my doors were closed and all my boot camps disappeared overnight. All of my partnerships online disappeared overnight. So I went from cash flow gym open to zero cash flow gym closed. And it's like, wow, I don't want to say the F word, but like, do yeah, it. We'll bleep right. it out. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a come to Jesus moment. It's like this in no way, shape or form could ever have been planned for. And not only do I have to come up with a form of income, but I also have to support a gym that's cost me tens of thousands of dollars every month. Like, how am I going to do that? And I'm starting to lose people day after day after day because they're canceling. They don't want to pay for a membership. I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy who I'm still hearing it now about gyms in town who forced people to pay through the pandemic and they're still bitter about it. I wasn't going to be that guy. I didn't want to get that name for myself in town, especially with, he's just the reality TV guy who's just money hungry. He's going to screw you over. So if someone canceled, no questions asked. I remove cancellation fees, everything. Just let you go. I don't think I ever cried so much in my entire life as I did during those four months that our doors were completely closed. Minimum $40,000 just gone during that time. Plus then all of the upkeep and no income coming in. There, were there any breaks from like your landlord or any city breaks? Uh, around six or eight months, uh, I got a break from the landlord. Yeah, but no back, anything like that. And just like reduction of rent, which helped a ton. 
But because I was a new business with no history and no tax return yet, I didn't get any PPP. Ah. So my PPP was only on my personal business, which was the boot camps. So I got $20,000 to supplement that income. But I mean, that, that was gone in literally two months. I had to pay all my employees still, pay for the gyms day to day, all that stuff. And so my savings, which I had thankfully put away, was just dip, 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 dip. And now we're at almost five years of business. My savings are now gone. And for the very first time ever, like my bank account basically hit zero all that time later. But the business that whole time has slowly been doing this. So it's like two tidal waves. One is coming down and that's all of my like safety net, all my like savings while the gym was just slowly progressing. So I've had to get really scrappy over the last few years, have not taken a dollar from the gym other than in like two instances where I, I had no choice. I wasn't gonna pay rent that month. So I had to pull money just from the gym directly. My dad actually was paying my rent for five months personally. I had to move into a cheaper apartment, had to sell my car, get a new one. And uh, then I had to refinance that car. I had to stop eating out. I had to stop buying new clothes. I stopped buying shoes. Uh, I told my family I can't buy them gifts. Like everything was whittled down to, it's just me and my dog and my business every single day. And the one thing I would never sacrifice is my food. So I always buy the most high quality, organic, locally grown food I can get. Everything else I basically got rid of. I started cutting my own hair. Everything I was doing that was costing any sort of money, traveling, all kinds of stuff. I traveled a couple of times on free trips, which was great. I just got lucky. But for the most part, it was just no cash out, only cash in if possible. And uh, that's how we got to where we are now. And the business plan made a shift. And it is taking on like wildfire right now um, at almost no cost to myself, which is awesome. I think that's really cool that you shared all that because I think people see like that you have five gyms and they yeah. think like, oh, yeah, this guy, like he was on TV. He was a model. He has five gyms like, you know, it must have been so easy and he's had everything like but people don't know what what it actually takes and like what you've gone through. The people in my life know the reality of things. The people on the outside they're welcome to their opinions. It's kind of where I got to in life. And that was one of the greatest moments of growth for myself personally was realizing I'm never going to please everybody. And also I don't have to be concerned with what other people think. Like that's when designer stuff stopped making any sense to me. Having my hair perfectly quaffed to look a certain way made no sense to me. I'm going to be honest. You were America's sweetheart. You still kind of are. <laughs> With that oh, hair, you. with everything. Wait, what was the hair like before? Was it like I just it was long and quaff and it was going gray, so it was like he was a sweetheart. He was an America's sweetheart. You kind of are. Okay, one okay, Wesley, don't be mad at me. Yeah. Would you ever I like totally feel like you could get not that you don't want ask to ask the bachelor? If they ask No, zero percent. You're like a hundred percent zero percent no. Another uh -huh. life. Wait, what, no. is, what are you recommending for him? I'm not recommending. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying what is the doc ordered? Uh, that like they could definitely, like everyone loved you. Like you were like a favorite. Yeah. So I feel like they could pull him back in. And if they ever asked, I was just curious what his answer would be. My hope is that I can develop the same amount of, and it's not even like the attention and the fame, it's the eyes on me to benefit others that that show will never do. That show doesn't benefit anybody. Yeah. That's the, that's the only sad thing about that show. It, it's, it's strictly entertainment. Even the relationships don't benefit from it because 95% of them, whatever it is, fail. So if I can develop the same or garner amount, like same amount of attention and do it with good, I'm going to do that. And so I realized my gyms will forever help people. Uh, my mindset can help people. My conversations with one-on-one -on -one individuals can help people. And that show can't. So I just decided I'm done with it. Like I, 
I don't want to have that be my life when there's so much more capable uh, opportunities or I'm so much more capable for other opportunities. They're just going to take a lot longer. So that'd be instant fame. I could instantly do that and then be on the face of something and I'd probably get like some sponsorship for mental health or something like that and would never have control over it. Whereas I can develop my own mental health routine and have the doctors I choose and it may be 10, 15 years down the road, but it'll be all me and I can help people in the right way, not by like some paid advertisement. Yeah. So that's why I'm going this route. That's cool. It's different. Yeah. I hope more effective. So you mentioned having a strong business plan. So can you talk to how that helped you and is helping you grow? I think the first thing about a business plan is it's only a blueprint, right? Uh, if you're building your dream house, you're going to realize as you're building it, there's other things that you want or you want to make changes. Uh, you want to change the paint colors, whatever it is. Okay. So my business plan is only a blueprint. And in the beginning, it was a very uh, strict business plan to keep the costs as low as possible. And that business plan always pl- or stayed pretty true. And because I did that, I made sure my expenses weren't too high. And so that helped me to manage the business during very hard times. I didn't go spend $5,000 a month on advertising, which would have drawn the bank account immediately. Um, I didn't buy really expensive uh, things that needed constant upkeep. I didn't, I I made sure everything was like pretty much self-sufficient at as low of a cost as possible. And that's what allowed me to get through the pandemic with little additional expense. From there, I realized there is a niche of apartment fitness. There are apartment gyms everywhere. No one uses them. You basically go into your apartment, you see the gym. It's too small. It's Yeah, it's Uh, just icky. The equipment is usually pretty basic and cheap. If you're with one other person in there, you already feel cramped. And if you want to lift weights, the weights almost never go above 45 or 50, um, sometimes even less than that. The materials feel cheap. The sound system is non-existent usually. My business model is now going to those developers, taking an already existing amenity that they're going to have with or without me, and I'm going to just insert myself with a higher quality service. I'm going to make revenue on a space that was otherwise underutilized and not making any money and actually costing them money. But it's above and beyond that. Like anybody can do what I'm doing. The benefit to what I'm doing is one, it's, it's me. I do have great confidence in myself now as the business leader. I have a name behind it that is starting to progress in town as he's the fitness guy. And he's becoming the fitness professional. Like everybody is coming to me now for fitness advice. The other part of it is the way that I've developed my entry systems is very specific to monitoring, safety, quality control, all that. Most people don't have that system set up or the implementation ready. I can jump into an apartment complex literally tomorrow. I could start a business in any location I want based on the the plan that's been created. So there's no hesitation. Um, There's usually no money out of pocket. But they see that as a benefit because it's making them money long-term. It's getting people into their space. You're more likely to live in a space that has a beautiful gym or a pool. Yeah, right. totally. Then you are someplace that doesn't have a pool or doesn't have a nice gym. Yeah. I now manage and take care of all those services. Wow, that, that's crazy. Can you do my apartment gym? It's too small. <laughs> Sorry. So that's another thing too. Where I make my money is I have to create a revenue stream. Revenue stream doesn't come from the tenants. It comes from people off the street. So I have to have space to where like, okay, I know there's 400 units here. It's going to take up about 3,000 square feet. I need an extra thousand square feet for anybody off the street. So if it's a 2,000 square foot gym, I'm screwed. It's it's tight. It yeah. wouldn't work. But you wouldn't I, want it's it. my dream. You, you'd be yeah. jammed in there at all times. Yeah, yeah. And why? Just so I can make some money. I'd rather keep costs really low, revenue really low, but then lope in a lot of locations and have revenue streams that are higher as a cumulative mm-hmm. effect. Yeah versus a lot of these gyms have to make 40 or 50 grand a month per gym. 
to make ends meet. That's just not my, my model. So you're about to open your fifth gym. Yeah. You have three more in talks. Three to four. Yeah. Three to four yeah. in talks. What are you chasing? Like, what's your goal? You want to be nationwide or what? Oh, yeah. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's... Um, we'll have him on when he's like... So, <laughs> yeah. Well, thousand. that's the hope. Like, the hope... With, there's 333 cities in the United States that have 200,000 people or more. I currently have what will end up being probably nine gyms within a population of 280. So if I can do three to four gyms in each one of those 333 cities, like it makes sense. But it's all dependent on the apartment complexes, the growth rate of that city, the type of people that are coming in the demographic. Um, and then also, does someone else take the business plan? Like now it's out there, people are seeing it. Madison obviously sees it because I have developers hitting me up uh, almost once a week now looking for something. So it's, it's a successful business plan and someone else will take it. Um, just like Amazon, you, like there's this famous story of a uh, camera, what are the tripod that was selling like hotcakes. So Amazon just made their own version of it. So someone will always be there to take it. What I have in my favor is just hopefully me. I hope that I myself can be what changes the business. Um, and that's why I am always the focus of it. And so the long-term goals are making myself as strong as humanly possible. I think would be the best way to put it because it's strong in faith strong in communication, strong in intelligence, strong in physical attributes. It's my relationships. It's all that. I want to be the best version of myself for all time. So it's removing all the toxicities from life, um, but not in like an aggressive way. And I'd be like, I'm going to cut that out. But more just like, why do I need that? What would be something that I find uh, more beneficial to my goals? And through that growth, hopefully, you know, I just become more and more powerful as an individual to gravitate towards, not to force my opinions upon to, but people want to come to me for it. And if they want to come to me, then they want to come to my gyms. They want to learn about my, my lifestyle and my beliefs and things like that. And they want to replicate that and learn for themselves. And through that, hopefully I can continue to grow the business to astronomical levels. I would love to have bigger gyms as like my hubs. I want to have these massive, beautiful spas that are fitness centered. And from that, you, you know, go through your cold plunges, and your heat therapies, but also people are doing uh, mental and emotional or mental and emotional health therapies. And there's pools that are salt water, not chlorine and all things like I want to get people as close to our nature as possible, knowing that nature is not always available to everybody. And that's through just really simple stuff, body mechanics, healthy food, proper education of mental and emotional health and so on. I feel like I really believe in the Peter Cross fitness movement now. Yeah. I like mean. literally after sitting here with you for one hour, like I'm, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. The, yeah. the business plan idea. I'm still, and I you, had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Like you're, that was you're very like, like, you're saying you want to be like the best version. I feel that. Don't you? Yeah. Like he's I, very, I love, yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe how fast you've grown. Knowing that you started this in 2019. I mean, I. Yeah. It's crazy. I've only been in Madison since 2018. And so, and I started my business in 2020. So yeah, when I found wow. your business, every owner, you know, business owner before me, I was like, oh, they've been around for a while. Yeah. That's what I had thought. Yeah. But so, but yeah. In, in a way, yes, because everything is a step towards. Like all those other businesses that I had before were still the business. They just weren't the. I just have a new name on it. The business was still technically the same. It's a progression of the business. I just, yeah, I had no idea you started so long ago doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my, yeah, my whole mind is, yeah, my whole perception of this is totally changed, which is really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So what does success look for you, like look like for you, you know, is it opening X amount of gyms or like what is? Very openly, I was walking through the woods last fall, I want to say, and 
I was still very much in the red. Like I, I still not drawn any money from the gym. And I got a call for another gym opening, uh, just potential, not even guaranteed. They knew of my business model. They really liked it. They wanted to be part of it. We had had our biggest month of sales yet, which again, hadn't even put money in my pocket. And I'm just walking through the woods and like listening to my classical music, looking at like the beautiful nature around me and just, I had like a breakdown. It was just like of elation, just that was it. And so that's all I'm shooting for now. It's just what brings me, it's not even joy or happiness, but what brings me fulfillment? Like knowing that the hard times are actually just a part of it. And the harder the time, probably the greater the result. So I fear nothing anymore when it comes to the growth of the business or the state of the business. It's more, can I continue to push myself to new boundaries and make it? And if I can't, I just haven't finished pushing yet. Like there's always more room to grow. So that's it now. It's just keep pushing, keep achieving new heights and see truly how far we can take it. Could I be the CEO that I've looked up to elsewhere in life for so many years? Don't know till I try. So maybe, maybe one day I am worth a billion dollars. Maybe one day I'm worth a hundred thousand. It doesn't matter as long as I'm still trying to get to my next personal potential. What advice do you have for your younger self? I mean, there's probably a lot of things. Uh, I, I did therapy for many years. You can't do anything wrong in life except for like tremendously hurt someone or yourself. Outside of that, pretty much everything can be made up for. So I don't ever look back on anything and say, I wish I would have done or like this or would have done that. But I do know that if I could have done certain things earlier, it maybe would have got me into a different place now. But that being said, progressing any process faster than which it was may not have gotten you to the same result. So if I would have forced anything on myself back then, I probably wouldn't have had the mindset or the growth or the maturity that I have now. So maybe it changes the business, but I love my business now. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Conflicting. Right. Why, why change it? But if I were to do anything, it would more just being really kind to myself. It's not telling myself do this or do that. It's love yourself more, have more empathy for yourself understand mistakes happen, understand that relationships do fail, understand that brighter times are always ahead in some way, shape or form. It's just literally loving the inner child more to say, whatever you weren't given, I've got you. Like someone didn't love you in some way that you needed, I will. And that's just me saying it. And that I think is the greatest point of growth in my adult life is truly understanding I don't need anybody else, even though I want somebody else. I just need myself. And if I don't believe in myself, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. So putting myself first, being kind, giving the love that I needed, that's all I would have done, hopefully sooner. So does that mean you're single? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> what? I've been waiting. It was going to be an ice I bath was going to say, I was like, this would be a really good moment. I'm sorry, but I, yeah, I just, you the can, ladies You don't even know. have to say it. Thumbs I, up, thumbs up. I struggle with dating. Dating is so hard. It's like. People have expectations after the show and when I don't meet those expectations, it immediately creates conflict. Be it they look at me as a celebrity or they uh, expect me to be a certain way because I was in a state of celebrity and I'm not. Women are also just, you guys are really challenging. You so, need some advice? We're here to give you some no. advice. We're both in relationships. Well, I say what can we help you with? Communication love- is really hard. Communication with anybody is really hard, but yeah. especially with the opposite sex. And I do think like the older I get, the more educated I become, the harder it is to have conversation with people because there's certain topics that really intrigue me and there's other topics that don't and not everybody aligns on those same topics, but I really get passionate about certain things. And so realizing like there are not people in your life that can cover all bases is really challenging. 
I totally feel that. Right. Uh, so yeah. that's where I'm still getting to being okay with the things that I'm not currently into and allowing space for that. But also like I'm driving so freaking hard on the business right now. Like yeah. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. pedal has been to the floor for years now. That extra mental and emotional time, not the physical time, but the mental, emotional time and space it takes to allow that difference of opinion and thought and direction. And just, I want to have a lazy Sunday. I'm like, no, Sundays are my day to grind. Like that's very different, right? Yeah, that's a totally different, yeah. So maybe there's just times in life where a relationship's not great or ideal. Uh, It's not that it's not desired. It's just someone would really have to fit into that niche right now uh, that I haven't met them yet. So he is single. (laughs) Yeah, so let's, (laughs) where else can our followers and listeners find you? Where can you find me? I mean, I'm, I'm in my gyms all day, every day. One of the three mainly. I split most of my time between Park Street uh, University Row and this one in Middleton. Once Verona opens, I'll spend most of my time out there in the evenings and I'll spend the mornings bouncing around from the others. I basically go where the traffic is highest at the time. And then Instagram, Peter Krause WI, Peter Krause Wisconsin. People call me Krause Peter Krause <laughs> WI. Krause. Yeah. And Shelby, where can they find you? <laughs> you can find me at Miggy's Bakes. You can find this rat at Tricky Foods. And you can find or in us- the sewers. You can find us at Screw It, Let's Do This on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, Spotify, Apple. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and And we will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.